Hello, and welcome to River Writers, a monthly conversation about the craft of writing. I'm your host, Dale Olson, with the Writers Guild of Astoria. Our guest today is Sydney Stevens, author, journalist, and historian of Oysterville and the Long Beach Peninsula. Sydney is author of such books as Dear Medora, Ghost Stories of the Long Beach Peninsula, Jailhouse Stories from Early Pacific County, and many more. As a child, Sydney spent summers on Willapa Bay at the Oystering Village, co-founded in 1854 by her great-grandfather, R.H. Espy. It was at her grandparents' home, the Harry Espys, that the old-timers often gathered to tell stories of the early days on the peninsula, a tradition that Sydney carries on today, more than 80 years later. Currently, she has 17 books in print, all concerning aspects of early Pacific County Washington history, even its ghosts. Welcome, Sydney. Thank you, Dale. It's great to have <laughs> you here, even though you, you, you uh, encountered some traffic uh, in Chinook. <laughs> yes, you never can tell you where, never can. <laughs> where that's going to happen. <laughs> well, um, was it your move to Oysterville when you moved back in uh, 1978, which prompted you to start writing about local history? Yes, it was. Um, I had written, I've written always, and uh, always wanted to be a writer when I was a kid. But uh, as the fates uh, directed, I became a teacher instead of uh, young children, primary age children. And uh, the first books I wrote were social studies books, kind of connected to history, yeah. for uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. And, um, and they were a different kind of book. Uh, the publisher had the idea that they should be, um, oh, it was during the time of new math, remember new math, and uh, these were... The, I've, the, I've blocked that all yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to. <laughs> I definitely have. A very traumatic period. Uh, but uh, these were kind of the new, the new social studies, and it was called the inquiry method. So the idea was to give a few facts and then let the children... Um, uh, go from there and do their own digging and research. Kind of figuring and it out. Figuring it out. So much more fun than memorize these names and dates, mm -hmm. these battles and these generals and all the things that yeah. we grew up with. So that, uh, that kind of got me started on uh, being interested in history, mm -hmm. uh, which I had not been before. And then when I moved up to the peninsula, uh, I... Uh, I, I continued teaching, but I was really interested at first in family history. Yeah. And and one of the pleasures today, I think, is um, there is so much interest in our roots and our forebears mm -hmm. through ancestry and so on. I get questions, so many questions from people who hear that they had an ancestor in uh Pacific County yeah. anywhere and uh, do I know do I know anything <laughs> about them but it's so it, it's delightful to be able to um, point them in a in a direction right. you know right so. well, um, now when when you moved back to the peninsula in the 70s was Dear Medora was that your first book that you that you worked on it was and I worked on it for a long time I when I was um uh, the year of seventh grade, I guess I was 11, I turned 12 that year, 
and uh, I lived uh, at my grandparents' house. I don't, you know, it's one of those mysteries of life that I don't know what was going on with my folks during that time, but my mother was up here in Oysterville with us part of the time. My dad was continued working in, in California, and then eventually we bought a house in California, and so I began eighth grade down there. But for that seventh grade year, I was um, in Oysterville, and uh, the room I had in, in my grandparents' house upstairs, my bedroom, was a large room, and it had a desk, a kind of a table desk at the end of the bed, and, um, and I, I explored it. There was, you know, I was not ever told that I couldn't explore anywhere, and um, I found Medora's diary. Medora was my grandparents' eldest child. And she um, died uh, in her sleep at age 16. So I was 12 when I found this was her last diary. And uh, I, w I wasn't to learn for many years that she kept diaries for oh, at least five or six years mm. uh, of her short life. And, uh, but the other thing that was kept were all the letters between herself and her mother. So she was the oldest of seven. My mother was the youngest. And um, every time my grandmother uh, was ready to deliver the next child, she came to Portland or she went, yeah, in one case, my grandfather was uh, uh, in the state Senate in Washington. So my mother uh, actually was uh, born in Olympia. But they always wanted her to have hospital care. Mm -hmm. So when she when she left uh, home, there was always a woman that came to stay to look after the children. But it was Medora from the time she could write, from the time she was in school, who wrote Mama every day. And Mama wrote back to keep Mama informed mm -hmm. about what was going on at home with the children and so on. She called them the babies. The babies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, that the babies were my mother and her two next brothers who were all within three years of each other. So um, so all those letters were kept, too. And everything oh, was What kept. a record. And uh, so I discovered those when I moved up full time. And As uh, a seventh grader. Uh, well. The diary. The diary as a seventh grader and as a... a uh, however old I was, 42, yeah. I guess, in yeah. 1978, <laughs> I, um, we were going through a lot of the family papers, my Uncle Willard and I, and um, which are now at the Washington State Historical Society Re Research Center. And when, as we went through them, I asked Willard if I could, if I could keep anything that had to do with Medora, because I was starting to be, think I would, I would like to write that story. And it was through that um, experience that I realized how much great information there there was in those old letters about just about what the peninsula looked like mm -hmm. and the, and how people lived and yeah how different it was what the names what they called their clothes and what <laughs> yes absolutely how they heated their homes right. and how they how they got their water and all kinds of things and so and that was you know Medora was born in 1899 so um, there was that much more 
difference between her time and when my great-grandfather founded um, Oysterville in 1854. Yeah. So, so that, it just drew me. Yeah, it was on the brink of the modern yeah, age, yeah, really. Right, right. Well, it's, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book, and I, I, I'm not sure if it's in print anymore. I was able to find a copy, a used copy, and I've just loved reading it. And uh, it is still in print. Oh, is it? That's and I wonderful. I was assured by the University of Washington. Uh, 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 no, Washington, Washington State yeah. University. Um, by my editor there that it would always be in print and so you know the facilities now for print on demand are fabulous and so that's what happens they uh you know if they're if they're selling them they're out and about but if there's a a little lull you won't see them in the stores but you can always order it yeah well thank you for talking about medora i kind of fell in love with her and um it i it's hard to read a book like that and uh, start to really care about that character, knowing that the end I is know. coming I for know. her. And but I think it's just so wonderful and, and such a great example for even us in our current days to, you know, uh, to keep letters and to write letters and to have that documentation of um, just you know your family life in the correspondence. And not, I know a lot of people don't write letters anymore right. and uh and you just had a treasure trove there to draw on and uh it, it just makes for a really satisfying book well thank you i i i love it and uh you know in some ways medora is still um very much a part of the household you yeah. know she uh she resonates because of all the of everything she left uh, in terms of her thoughts and and uh, and a lot of the things that she talked about, dishes and um, and even some of the toys that her her brothers and sisters had are still in the house. So yeah. that just connects it yeah. even more. Yeah. Now you've been writing um, a series uh, for the Chinook Observer oh. <laughs> in, oh, yeah. in in recent months. And um, I'm I'm hoping that you will read uh, one of those um, remembrances. I will. I, I I would love to, and I appreciate your talking about it. I'll tell you that um, uh, in preface to this, uh, I I'm itching to write another book. But you know, as we grow older, and uh, I'm I, I hate to think about it, but I only have a a year, couple of years before I'm 90. I can't believe that, really. That's, but, I, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> I know. Well, well, you're it, ageless. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, the mind doesn't doesn't always work like you want it to, and um, and I find that uh, you know the prospect of another book is kind of daunting, uh, just in terms of of memory and uh, and keeping the thread going. So, I thought, you know, I'd I still like to do a book. Um, and I really would like to talk about some of the characters of Pacific County. And I remembered that when I was a kid my, uh, my and living in Oysterville, my grandfather often kind of held court with the old timers. And they would, they would come to visit and they'd get to telling stories about um, people that they had known and went in their own youth or whatever. And I loved those stories. And I thought, okay, I'm going to use that example. 
and I started gathering material, and uh, I thought, um, you know, some of these were really not such nice characters, <laughs> and uh, some were great. So I'm my tentative title is um, Saints or Sinners, uh, and I was going to say Saints or Sinners, early characters of Pacific County, but then I thought, you know, I knew some Saints or Sinners type people, and that wasn't early Pacific County. So the working title now is Saints or Sinners, Characters of Pacific County. I was telling Matt Winters, uh, the editor of The Observer, about that and uh, uh, about my idea. And I said, but I don't have a publisher and I don't know what to do. And, and he said, well, I want to use it in The Observer, you know, before it's book form. <laughs> it's a great idea. And I said, great. <laughs> and so he is publishing one a week. And I, that. Uh, I think there'll be about 40 when I'm done. So we're, we're at about 10 or 11 now. So it's always on the front of the second section, the front page of the second section. I asked for that. I said, <laughs> I said, I don't care where it is in the paper, but if you could put it in the same place every time so people look for it, you know. Yeah. So this one is a, from my childhood, not, such, not so early, but oh, quite a while ago, and it's called Klondike Cape. When I was a kid, Lou Mitchell lived down at the S-curve Excuse me, where the main road of Oysterville wound onto the county road and headed on south. Her house, one of the smallest in Oysterville, a shack really, and it was and was close to falling down as a house could be. But none of us kids gave it a thought, nor did we think twice about whether Lou was a saint or a sinner or an honest-to-goodness character. She was probably all three. I remember that she had hennaed hair and a gravelly voice and was old. <laughs> in retrospect, she may have been in her 50s or 60s, <laughs> but of course, anyone over 30 was old <laughs> to us kids. I don't know if any of us had the slightest idea of why she had that oyster shell light fixture with the bright red light bulb on her front porch. I knew her mostly as a berry lady, when the blackberries got ripe, Lou would have stacks of berry boxes on her porch, or maybe in her living room, and we would bring our full buckets to her and fill up as many of those little containers as we could. I wish I could remember how, many, how much we got per basket, maybe five cents. Whatever the amount, it was enough to keep us picking day after day and learning not to eat our profits as we worked. <laughs> Sometimes, after our berry transactions were over, we'd hang around and visit with Lou. She told us wonderful stories about her days in Alaska, and we got to calling her Klondike Kate, a name she seemed to like. I'm sure some one of our parents had used that term when referring to, to her. I don't think any of us had ever heard of the original Klondike Kate, who, the wannabe vaudeville actress of the Klondike Gold Rush years. Sometimes when we were visiting with Lou, some man would drive up to pay her a call. <laughs> then our story hour would be over for the day and Lou would <laughs> shoo us on home. Maybe some of the other kids knew what was going on, but the penny never dropped for me until years later. <laughs> I think I was already a young married mother when I asked my own mom, probably in a self-righteous tone, did you know what was going on down at Lou's? 
why why did all of your parents let us kids hang around down there? <laughs> My mother's laughing reply was, why not? She was always good to you youngsters, wasn't she? <laughs> As usual, my mom was absolutely right. <laughs> oh, that is a delight. I love that. What a wonderful memory. Well, if, <laughs> for our listeners, if you're just joining us, I'm Dale Olson with River Riders, and we're talking with Long Beach Peninsula author and historian Sydney Stevens of Oysterville. And I, you could regale us with stories for probably the next two hours if we had the time um it just so so much that you have stored there i'm so glad you're writing these down um you, now you you collected some ghost stories for the long beach peninsula the um the historic haunts of the long beach peninsula and madam x was uh is that was that her name or mrs x oh madam x, madam was, x. A, was a kind of a ghostbuster yeah, kind of a helper. Well, no, I met I met her well after the first ghost book was published, but I did meet her, and she told me about her process of sort of ghost busting, and asked that her name not be uh, not be used. But I, I have to tell you, um, I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> Even though you have one residing Even in your home. I ha exactly. <laughs> Even though there's one right in my house, Mrs. Crouch. And, um, oh, if you come to Vespers <laughs> next week, I'm going to be talking about her. She was the wife of the first uh, pastor in uh, at the Oysterville Baptist Church in 1892. And um, she died mysteriously when she was on a, a church call with her husband up the Willapa River and somehow uh, she fell out of the boat and her husband was able to rescue their their infant I think about 18 month old baby uh, and himself but could not rescue her and uh, there was a lot of talk in town and uh, eventually uh, he, he did go, come back to Oysterville from um, over in the Willapa Valley where she was drowned but the body was exhumed and um, there was a question as to whether the marks on her neck were from uh, reco recovering the body um, I think they used uh, rakes to 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 um, to rake the the river, uh, or if they were marks from uh, Mr. Crouch's hands. So, um, well, he was quite a scoundrel. So he was a scoundrel, and we found out more information from him due to the internet. The uh, you can't believe all the things that have been released to the internet in recent years, like. Um, like all the, all the, uh, I don't know what you call it, documentation, say, from San Quentin Prison mm -hmm. in California. And guess where Mr. Crouch, or Reverend Crouch, ended up? And, uh, yeah, so. Well, he left a trail of uh, wives and children. <laughs> no, yeah, everywhere, everywhere he did. And, uh, all, and not such a big trail of divorces or deaths either. I yeah. mean, a lot of, he... He apparently had several wives at a time, several different times. Well, I'm glad Mrs. Crouch has a, a happy and yes. and welcome home to, to live in with you. Uh, 
I think I think she's happy there. Has she has she done any mischief lately? No, she hasn't. She's been pretty quiet lately. So okay. I'm waiting. And I was worried when we found out more about Reverend Crouch because some other weird things that weren't Mrs. Crouch like happened and I thought maybe he'd found his way back to Oysterville so yeah let's I, hope he he haunts some we'll, other community we'll wait and see. <laughs> now um I think we everyone who follows you either in the paper or through reading your books um recognizes how much uh local history enriches all of us and I know you've got something percolating uh that you are looking to launch um a history forum, a monthly history forum, uh, starting soon. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can uh, participate? Yeah, well, uh, I, I guess I need to preface it just a little bit by saying that for a number of years, the um, the museum in Ilwaco, the Columbia Pacific Heritage Museum, uh, sponsored a um, what they called a, a community history a community historian program and the idea was to um, develop a cadre of people within the community and the greater community of, of uh, Pacific County I would say or, or southwestern uh, Washington even uh, who would continue to tell the stories of where we came from and who we are and how we developed. And uh, so the community historian program was very successful, And uh, but then came COVID. And uh, so uh, there was a lot of reorganization uh, of the museum and staff and so on uh, during that COVID period. And they decided that they could not continue community historians in the same fashion. So those of us who were involved with um, that program for a long time were a bit concerned about that um, because we've gotten a lot of uh, uh, questions, a lot of interest expressed in the meantime. Uh, when's it going to start again? So on. So since uh, the museum doesn't feel they can do exactly the same sort of program again involving people uh, coming and learning how to research and so on, we decided we'd do something a little bit differently. And uh, the, the um, museum is going to support us to some extent. We're going to have what we call a history forum. And the forum will be open to the public. We will meet once a month at the Oysterville Schoolhouse. It will be the first Wednesday of each month from 10 to 12 o'clock in the morning. And at the, we're still in the planning stages, but at this point, what the format will be one or two um, or three, maybe, uh, speakers, uh, sort of in a, a loosey-goosey kind of panel, <laughs> to talk about... Um, some aspect uh, of um, of our history, of our local history, and um, then for maybe we'll give them maybe a half hour or forty five minutes, and then open it up to everybody else to add to what they've said or ask questions or whatever. And along the way, uh, we we certainly have um, people who have. Uh, come out of the community historian uh, program who can help 
um, lead the way for for those who would like to do more research, tell them where to go, uh, where to go to find material that would help them, and so on. And um, I just think it'll be an opportunity for many people to get some of their questions answered, or to uh, find out more uh, about the things that they're interested in. We're going to start. Um, I hope I have two fingers crossed here. Um, we're going to start in September uh, on the first first Wednesday, and we're going to start with um, with t- with some of our our local uh, people who are descendants of both uh, Chinook or Quinault, um, and uh, answer they have ancestors uh, that are Chinook. We'll say, or it could be Quinault, or it could be another uh, local Indian group, mm-hmm. and a white, an early white settler, and uh, because their experience was the first experience that we, um, uh, people coming from other places in America or Europe, uh, encountered those those very early settlers who uh, married into the Indian heritage, and it's. It's an area we don't talk about or mm-hmm. find out much about. So, so uh, come on. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now that's September sixth. Uh, yeah, September sixth. I think that is yeah. okay. Well, I kn- I know uh, my husband David and I are planning to be there for that first one and for everyone uh, every first Wednesday in the month Great. for in the following months because. Even though we don't reside in Pacific County or the or the peninsula, um, we we still consider ourselves, you know, residents of of the Lower Columbia, and our and our histories oftentimes do overlap, mm-hmm. and we just learn so much uh, just from kind of making ourselves uh, available to all the wonderful uh, stories and um, even firsthand accounts that are still still out there i mean they're you know kind of they they're kind of dwindling and um i think that's uh the value in having a program like like the history forum that's going to be starting up it's going to give a chance for people to tell those stories and will you be recording those they that's where um cphm is going to really be helpful they're going to uh, lend us their video equipment they will be uh also um showing those on their website and they'll be available on youtube i think oh that's uh that's going to be such a gift to future Mm -hmm. generations and and you are such a gift to to the lower columbia community i just um on behalf of everyone who loves you sydney and who has read your books and and read your column and listened to you speak and uh share your stories thank you Thank you for just being that uh, that keeper of of history for all of us here on the Lower Columbia because um, it it's made all of our lives richer. Well, thank you so much. Well, I wish I wish we could just go on and on, but we do uh, we do have to wrap it up. And I can't tell you what a treat it has been to have you here today, Sydney. Thank my, you. My pleasure. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for spending time with River Riders today. Again, for our listeners, you can find books by Sydney Stevens at local independent booksellers, such as Time Enough Books in Ilwaco, 
and Lucy's books in Astoria. You can also keep up with Sydney in the Chinook Observer and her blog at www.sydneyofoysterville.com. The Writers Guild is a 501c3 supporting and encouraging writers in Astoria and the Lower Columbia. More information about the Writers Guild can be found online at www.thewritersguild.org. Thanks, Dad, for our theme song. Until next time, keep the words flowing and your pencil sharp. I'm Dale Olson for River Riders.